welcome to the Fleet Geeks podcast. We're here to help develop fleet and transport professionals. Do you want to progress and develop your skills and knowledge? We promise to bring lively conversation and debate around interesting issues and keep you bang up to date with changes in our awesome industry. The Fleet Geeks are a community of professionals and if you enjoy the podcast, why not join the discussion for free in the Fleet Geek community over on Facebook. Hello and welcome to the third in this series of podcasts with Lisa Dawn. Um, Lisa has kindly joined me on two previous podcasts talking about workload and also talking about skills fade as well. And here we are on the final and third podcast to talk about um oh i've had i've had a mind blank for a moment i got distracted um and we're going to be talking about distraction uh, particularly in the context of of driving as well so um lisa it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast again thank you very much and um, are you able just for the listeners if they've not listened to the previous two hopefully they're going to go back and listen to those but if they're listening to this uh for the first time um just give a quick introduction if that's okay lisa sure so my title is Associate Professor of Driver Behaviour at Cranfield University and I've been working in the field of driver behaviour for over 30 years, uh, widely published on the topic and I also have founded the company SciDrive to make my research more available to um, the general public. Fantastic, thanks Lisa and with with those credentials i massively have my imposter syndrome bouncing up and down okay so um i really appreciate you taking the time out to have a chat with me now um i mentioned in the first podcast that lisa and i met each other at the chartered institute for logistics and transport safety forums 10th anniversary uh and that was the annual like the annual meeting or annual conference sorry um and and lisa was there and she was talking about this this exact subject and i remember on her slides my attention was caught um, by the the neuroanatomy slide. So this is a little bit techy potentially for some of, or scientific potentially for for uh, some of the listeners. But um, Lisa did an amazing job of explaining frontal lobe, temporal lobe, and I'm not even going to pronounce them correctly. So uh, I'm sorry, but I'm going to hand back over to you, Lisa, to just have a bit of a run through the sort of a bit about how our brain works and um and then how that can lead to you know we'll to start talking about distraction following that but yeah how, how does our brain work lisa well uh, <laughs> how long do we have sorry that is that is quite a starter for, for 10. um the brain is is incredibly complex but in I, i'm going to talk about it in terms of what are the important aspects of the brain? All aspects of the brain are important, but particularly relevant for distraction. Because what we primarily use when we're driving are the kind of clever parts of the brain, if you like, and that's called the frontal lobe. And that's the part of the cortex. It's at the front of the brain where all the decision making uh, goes, if you, if you like. It's a very dense area that, that acts very fast on information that it's uh, that it's selected for attention and um, it, it is able to inhibit other responses it's able to um, control its impulses and it, it's the real focus of attention it's it's where if you imagine with driving it's a primarily visual task and therefore we need that frontal lobe to really focus our attention and select 
appropriate information from the environment to be able to make good decisions. Fantastic. And so that is potentially, so just based on some of the understanding that I have, that can potentially be in, in conflict, for example, with other parts of the brain, particularly if we're emotional, uh, distracted and those kinds of things. So um, what what is the what is the temporal lobe? What does that what does that part do? It's sort of a bit below the, and behind the frontal lobe. OK, so the temporal lobe um, primarily, although it has lots of other functions, but it primarily processes emotions. Okay. And um, uh, as part of the temporal lobe, we have two um, kidney bean type structures called the amygdala. And they're kind of located kind of just above the ear, um, either side of the head. And essentially those um, are our emotional computers. And what happens here is that whenever we um, have um, an emotional kind of experience, the amygdala is responsible for processing that information. Now, what can happen when you're driving is that when you're feeling stressed, um, then the emotions essentially are being processed by the brain, which means that there's less spare capacity to be sending that information um, that you need to be aware of to the frontal lobe for decision making. In a sense, it's kind of bypassing the clever part of the brain. It's going to another part of the brain, which is kind of evaluating whether there's a threat here, whether, you know, you need to go into survival mode. It's a kind of fight or flight um, type response that you might need. Um, and, and that's where distraction can be particularly problematic when people are stressed, um, because not only is it that um, the brain is processing this emotion, but also it's it, it's also speeding up. Um, because when people are stressed, the um, kind of operating speed, if you like, of the brain is much higher. And, and that also can be a source of distraction. Fantastic. So I've got to curb my enthusiasm to go down this it, it, like emotional and road rage and, and, and all of that sort of stuff, um, because we're we're going to focus on distraction so I'm not I'm not going to go down the road rage point of view but all we're saying here is there's a clear thing here that we need to stay relaxed when we're driving right <laughs> otherwise it's going to massively inhibit the co cognitive skills that we talked about in our last podcast it's going to inhibit those because essentially the brain can't do both is that it it, it can do both but some okay. people drop <laughs> You're okay and, and yeah. the fear is that um, when people are stressed and we know that they're much more likely to be involved in a crash when people are stressed, when they're under time pressure, you know, when they have perhaps something going on in their lives that's, you know, is, is affecting um, their um, their cognitive processing abilities like, you know, perhaps they've got financial pressures, perhaps you know, they've got um, loved ones that are poorly or that they have responsibilities for. You know, there's a number of different life stress problems that a driver can be going through at any one time. So it's not just the stress of the job, if you like. It can also be what's going on in their personal lives. And the two aspects can actually make things even worse. Fantastic. So that's really interesting because 
certainly for the audience who are listening that is that is us almost essentially almost giving them scientific explanation why it's important that they they take care of their drivers and they they take time to listen to and know them because historically in our industry there's always been there's always been a bit of a uh, a, a sort of put up shut up we don't talk about these kinds of things uh which is changing there is culturally there is a bit of a shift that's going on but there's certainly still there'll be fleet and transport managers out there who don't feel comfortable talking about these things with people but actually if they've got drivers it's really important that they start to understand they start to understand if there are some sort of out external challenges that they're facing because it is going to impact their ability to their, their, their driving and their ability to drive is that is that a fair a fair assessment yes. Lisa? yes it is and you know it doesn't need to be an invasive kind of intrusive you know asking every driver every day if they're okay you know there are assessments that are available um you know certainly through side drive that that's also something that can be um, set up um, to look at, you know, what are the critical life events that, that a driver is going through? It can be all done, you know, online and and something that you could be perhaps doing every six months or something. It's a quick checklist. Um, and and just, just a driver feeling that someone cares and is looking out for them is sufficient for the sense of sort of social support that's out there that can make them feel you know cared about in the in yeah. the workplace and 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 whilst you can't do anything necessarily about some of the problems that they're encountering you know lending a supportive um environment at work is is really going to be beneficial um, yeah. and, I, and i think that's really interesting because actually drivers do tend particularly in the in the haulage industry due to the long long hours at the you know long long hours of operation and um drivers are spending a long time on their own and um that that can lead to feelings of isolation and and and, and those kind of emotional uh, emotional responses which are i suppose are, are really a, a conflict with good good standards of driving um so it's interesting because I thought we were going to go down the route of mobile phones, which we're going to in a moment. But I'm, I'm really interested in. So I'm really interested in this and that. And, 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 and I think my point is, or I think I think what I'm worried about is naturally, naturally, there'll be this observable reduction in use of the frontal lobe as drivers are driving for longer periods of time, which I guess leads into like the workload that we we're talking about before. But ultimately, just just for a moment I'm, I'm just wanting to raise the point i suppose that essentially the naturally the driving standards are going to reduce because the frontal the frontal lobe is going to over time start to get distracted is that it can only focus for a certain amount of time is that yeah am i sort of following the right path here lisa yes well the frontal lobe um you know when you're driving especially if you're driving in a, in a, a high workload situation uh there are going to be uh kind of demands on the brain that means that you shouldn't really be um driving for extended periods of time because it it will increase um people's um, levels of fatigue and stress and so on so you know taking a regular break and these kind of things does definitely help 
uh, we're into the realm of sustained attention here, you know, where the sort of idea of vigilance and being able to constantly monitor and, and, you know, going back to the idea of being an isolated environment when you're perhaps driving for work on a, you know, a monotonous environment in a in a in a truck and work you know perhaps driving in the dark you know this is a kind of a an environment which can be um you know very difficult to sustain your attention over a period of time yeah yeah okay so and so i'm going i'm going to i'm going to move on because i'm conscious that we're moving into the 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 previous conversations we've had which we're, we're sort of teetering on and i want to make sure that we've sort of covered a broad range of of, of the different topic areas so I, i'm i'm really conscious with distraction i wanted to have a talk about in cab distractions because i know that's a big focus area for um for for the audience who listen so obviously it's illegal for people to use a mobile phone and many fleet managers will use that and they will and the challenge is sometimes with with drivers, I think, is there it's explaining why why is it illegal and them understanding yeah. that. And I think this is a really interesting opportunity here for fleet managers and, and the people listening to be able to understand the, the science behind why that is, because we, we naturally know that it's going to, you know, we're focusing on something else. So it's not going to, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to multitask in the way that we we believe we can, because I think many people believe they can multitask in that way. Um, and obviously, we've talked a bit about the emotional side and potentially those phone conversations might be emo emotive. They might be triggering different parts of the brain. So um, I think my question, Lisa, is what 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 what's going on there? So when someone picks up their phone, what What's the stuff that's happening? OK, uh, so there are basically three different sources of distraction, visual, manual and cognitive. So with a handheld mobile phone, you've got the manual distraction. The fact that you're having to take your hand off the wheel and, you know, move uh, your hand to another, you know, part of the, of the cab. Um, so that source of distraction is, is a danger. Um, and then you've got the visual distraction, which is where your eyes are off the road. So, of course, then you can't detect hazards so easily. And then you have the cognitive distraction, which is around the phone call and having to think through the responses that you need to give when people are asking you questions or saying something about perhaps your delivery or whatever. Um, and then, of course, if there's an emotional context here where your manager is saying, well, where are you? You know, the customer's been ringing up, you're running late, you know, what's going on? Um, you know, then there's an emotional um, aspect to the distraction. So using your mobile phone can can actually be a source of distraction in many different types of ways. And we do know that when you're using your phone, whether it's hands-free or handheld, you are four times more likely to, to crash. So it's a, it's a major problem. Yeah, fantastic. And it's 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 it is fascinating because it increasingly, you know, when when I'm out on the roads, you you see people distracted on that. You can see people distracted on their phones and increasingly it feels that as the younger generation and, and I'm not blaming fully the younger generation because there's plenty of older people who are addicted to their phones and struggle to put them down. But ultimately, it's like an extension of their of their selves, uh, particularly with people who have grown up with them, um, that 
it's it's a real it's going to be a real challenge i think potentially a real challenge for us so going i'm going to draw back there because that's really interesting for the listeners to think about those three core areas visual distractions manual distractions and cognitive distractions so that that's a really really good three areas for them to get a handle on because naturally i think there's this tendency when we talk about distracted driving that we think about mobile phones and 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 almost those manual distractions like because when we first spoke i was sort of along that mind track around you know the buttons in the cab fiddling with the sat nav changing the radio station i'm starting to sound old now changing the cd we don't do that anymore um changing the tape deck there we go that's back in the day right um but ultimately yeah so so visual distractions are i I know visual distractions are particularly challenging so i've had that before where and and i've nearly had an incident i'm always very conscious of when i have a near miss and uh i realized that i've not seen it i've not seen that potential hazard and it will have been because I was looking at something else, so I was distracted. So, um, yeah, are we able to put a bit more maybe explanation around those sort of three areas, if that's okay for listeners? Please, Lisa. Hello, it's Sharni from Flagship Partners. We are really proud to sponsor the Fleet Geeks podcast. If you need expert advice or training for your fleet business, make Flagship Partners your first choice. We are really excited to announce the launch of our Transport Manager Academy with expert development for fleet leaders, We offer fully accredited initial transport manager CPC training, CPC refresher and operator license awareness training, as well as mentoring, support and professional development beyond the qualification. Our vision is to develop elite fleet professionals. So what's a visual distraction? What what could a visual distraction be that will prevent hazard perception? Okay, so a visual distraction is anything that takes your eyes off the road for more than two seconds. Uh, If it's beyond two seconds, then it wouldn't actually be classed as a distraction. It would be classed as inattention, um, which is a particular problem for automated vehicles where we're going to see more and more that um, people will be expecting the vehicle to take control of the task and completely inattend, if you like, to what's going on around them. Um, So distraction is where you're a couple of seconds away. And even for those um, two second glances, you know, you're seeing um, an increase in risk beyond those those two seconds. So you can imagine if you're driving at speed, a lot is happening uh, in, in milliseconds and taking your eyes off the road is is a is a potential source of risk. You know, even when you think about how we use our eyes, we we are not able to see anything during a scan path that is from one fixation to another. Everything is blurred in that scan path. And it's only when you fixate that you're able to actually process the information through um, the, uh, the, the the brain, if you like, uh, to be able to transfer that information into the fr- frontal lobe and therefore can, uh, uh, make a, an appropriate response. So, you know, we also are vulnerable to change blindness visually so that when if we're not fixated at regular intervals, it was kind of like taking a snapshot when we're looking around when we're driving. And and if there's a wide scan path uh, and there's a, a, a small image in that in that scan path, let's say a motorcyclist, 
and you're going from one fixation to another and, and that motorcyclist is in your scan path, you simply won't see them. They will actually disappear. Um, so, you know, this is why it's so important to um, keep your eyes on the road and, and make sure that you process uh, the key uh, priority hazards. Yeah, sure. And I, I see that myself where I've been driving at night and I get you, I kind of become dazed by the red lights, you know, the you, the sort of tail lights of everything I'm following. And mm -hmm. that there's almost like, I don't know, you know, you team that with a bit, a bit of tiredness and all of a sudden it's almost enough to really sort of start to affect you visually um, because all you're seeing is just these red lights and darkness and yeah. uh, it's very hard to start to judge space and, and those kinds of things I'm sure people will understand those so uh, uh, moving on then to a, a manual distraction so that's something that somebody picks up kinesthetically they're touching they're they're doing something with is that is that the right explanation of a manual distraction yeah that's right so reaching you know for paperwork you know perhaps things that fall in the footwell of the passenger seat, um, eating, drinking, you know, taking your hands off the wheel, essentially. Um, and, you know, there are some absolutely horrific cases where people have been driving using the knees and, you know, sort of really um, uh, not in control at all of, of, of their vehicle. Um, so that, that those kinds of manual distractions are also a key source of, of risk. Yeah and then finally cognitive I'm supposing is anything that's making our brain work so emotional, uh, conversational, any of those kinds of things. So um, in in your opinion, I don't know if I'm sort of setting you up here with the question so hopefully I'm not, uh, but in your opinion so one of the challenges that many operators have is the way of communicating with their drivers so mm -hmm. when they're driving calling them What's your thoughts on on that? Because that some companies I know are starting to try and reduce that as much as possible, even to the point of not speaking to drivers when they're driving. Um, but I know there's many that will will continue to do so because operationally that's something they they, they feel is necessary to do. What's your what's your thoughts on that? I suppose is the question really. The evidence around safety culture is that those companies that operate in a safer manner and therefore are statistically less likely to have crashes um, do not communicate with their drivers whilst they're driving uh, so I would really encourage anyone listening to ensure that they set their operations up in such a way that they don't need to communicate that um, perhaps if they have telematics they can see where the vehicle is they can see you know what progress is being made um, and find an opportunity when they've pulled over to talk to them, um, but when it's safe to do so. Really, really good information, Lisa. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question about semi-autonomous vehicles in a moment, because that's really interesting, and that piqued my interest when you mentioned that, and I just picked up on that. Um, but before I do that, does the studies show any other recommendations with regards to distractions that potentially might be good takeaways for the managers? There are some interventions that I found in the research to um, evidence how you can help people to overcome distractions because we know there are particular locations on the roads that are, are very dangerous where people tend to get more are more likely to get distracted than other areas like for example at junctions. 
um, because the perception is that, you know, they've, they've put their slowing down, they're going to come to a stop. Uh, this is a time to sort of reach for the phone or reach for something um, and um, or think about something else because the kind of demand has reduced. Um, but actually, junctions are one of the most riskiest uh, locations available because in essentially you you've got a lot for the brain to do at that time you're having to think about you know when to emerge you know whether the gap is sufficient the speed of oncoming vehicles you know you have to really um be on your game um when you're emerging from a junction especially with a large vehicle so um that's you know some of the distraction training aspects um, that I've found in 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 uh, in the evidence suggests that yeah there are key ways that you can increase people's knowledge and awareness of where why people are more likely to be distracted, what kind of situations they're likely to be, and what they can do to overcome those distractions. That's it. That's really interesting. There's been so many takeaways hidden within these three podcasts for fleet managers, loads of really good stuff. And I'm just thinking about some of them. That's one of them, the hazard perception, the ongoing hazard perception training that we were talking about, um, the, uh, the 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 sort of watching another uh, ex expert driving and then talking about the hazards uh, they experience. So many, so many fantastic takeaways. So thank you, Lisa. I'm just, it piques my interest. So we're moving towards autonomous semi-autonomous vehicles and interestingly you've pointed out that that presents a distraction challenge because anything longer than two seconds is no longer a distraction it's a what sorry it's a inattention inattention yeah. so naturally a semi-autonomous vehicle is going to create inattention because that the vehicle's doing the work so just humor me for for a moment and and is that something that you're starting to think about yeah I'm sure there's not any studies but I'm sure it's something you're looking to try and get your teeth into sort of in the near future as as this is going to become a challenge because ultimately fully autonomous we're miles away from so there's going to be this hybrid period where it's almost going to get I don't know where we anticipate it becoming more autonomous but actually potentially does that pose more of a risk from a from a human factors point of view, because the driver, at what point does the driver intervene with the vehicle? It almost creates a whole, a whole new challenge set. I suppose. Am I? Am I? Is my brain heading in the right direction with this? Yes, it is. And you'll be pleased to hear I've been working on this topic for about three years. Um, oh wow! Okay. <laughs> with a huge um, contract at Cranfield, looking at the problem of autonomous vehicles, uh, especially with regards to behavioural adaptation. And um, and there are actually hundreds, if not thousands of studies published now um, on this topic. Um, so I've been getting to grips with this field because obviously it's a it's a major traffic safety problem that is just around the corner. And you'll have seen in the US there's been all sorts of issues with Tesla and and Cruise and and so on. Um, and, and, and you're right, you know, we're a long way off fully autonomous vehicles being um, something that the general public can buy. But what we do have on our roads right now are what's called automated vehicles, or you refer to them as semi-autonomous. And there's a lot of confusion around terminology here, but 
automated vehicles are those that will take over part of the driving task, like, for example, um, speed control um, and um, increasingly lane keeping. Um, so we're starting to see in the next year or so what's called level three vehicles that not only maintain and control speed, um, uh, but they also change lanes. Now, that represents a significant change in the role of the driver um, in the coming years. And really, they can they can go to a driver to a showroom now and buy a, a, a level two vehicle, which is a Tesla with the autopilot function, let's say. There are other vehicles as well. Um, and they can actually operate autopilot um, on our on our on our motorways. So th th there, there's a danger now um, where people have the impression that they don't need to observe what's going on around them, that the vehicle is making all the decisions. But unfortunately, the vehicle isn't the software isn't fully developed yet. So there are going to be occasions when the vehicle is going to ask the driver to take back control. And this is the major source of research in this field where the uh, people that I work with are, are particularly concerned about um, whether or not the driver is prepared to take back control. Because if you imagine they've spent the last 20 minutes or so thinking about something else, perhaps looking at their playing games on their phone. They shouldn't do that because in the manual, it clearly says that they should be attending at all times. But we know that humans don't do what they should do. Um, and the danger is that um, people are not going to be situationally aware enough to be able to take back control safely. Yeah, see, it, I find that really fascinating. It started to link over, so it, it really, really interesting. So thanks for humouring me, and I'm, I'm really pleased that's something you're working on. I think that's something potentially maybe in uh, a few months' time we'll maybe do have another conversation yeah. about it at that point. Um, but I think it's absolutely fascinating, and that point you make, it, it really aligns with it. I, I. And that's very random, but I, I train a time management course where we look at different elements of time management. And one of the one of the rules that I train is around if someone allows themselves to be distracted from a task, and I don't necessarily mean driving, but this distraction from a task, and I mean properly distracted for a period of time. So, you know, they pick up their phone, they're in the middle of doing something, writing an essay, they check Facebook, they start doing some bits there and then come back. The, you know, studies show what 15 minutes potentially before the full focus is back yeah. on the task at hand 15 yeah. 20 minutes um which is a major distraction and potentially if we're looking at applying that same principle i'm not sure the numbers would be the same i'm sure but the principle ultimately is the same in that you you've almost or there's the risk almost that people behind a wheel will just shut down from the task at hand yeah and and have <laughs> to all of a sudden retake that control Yes, and you've got a, a, most vehicles will give you a 10 second countdown. 
So you've only got 10 seconds. And yet, as you quite rightly point out, the brain is or is preoccupied. It's thinking about the last game it played or, you know, something else. And then just not prepared. And some of the studies in this field, um, uh, we've done at Cranfield some Tesla studies on the motorways and uh, looked at how people's um, uh, adapt their preferred distance to the vehicle in front with experience and you know what we're looking at here is that some people take 40 seconds to be able to um, take back control in a in a in a in a way that is is manageable you know reasonably safe um, so yeah I'm afraid um, a lot of people in my field are very concerned about what's going on. Um, well, for, for, 40 years. seconds, 40 seconds at 60 miles an hour is nearly three quarters of a mile. Exactly. Which is an awful long distance of yeah. potential, right. potential stuff to happen. It's quite frightening. Um, Lisa, that's been fascinating. And I've really enjoyed having you on the podcast as well. And thank you for taking the time out to uh, to share your exp- expertise and your experience and the findings from your survey as well. Uh, listeners, um, on each of the three episodes, I've tagged Lisa's uh, company SciDrive in on the, on the show notes. So please do go and check SciDrive out. Get in touch with Lisa on, on LinkedIn, that sort of stuff, if you're interested in any further uh, elements of, of some of the services that she may be able to support with. Lisa, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on. I hope you've enjoyed it too. I do. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks. Pete. Cool. Um, so, it's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, if anyone's got any questions or wants to fire anything over that's come out of um, the, the the podcast I've done with Lisa, please do uh, drop us a line and uh, and look forward to speaking to you. Uh, thank you very much for joining me, Lisa. Appreciate it. I'm just going to stop the recording now. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please share with your friends and colleagues too. Join us for free on Facebook with the Fleet Geeks community for transport and fleet managers. Fleet Geeks offers ongoing professional development, networking and mentoring too. So get in touch with me, Pete Rushmer, on any social media platform to find out more.